You're listening to Paris Talks Marketing. My goal with this podcast is to dig deeper into digital marketing success than any other marketing podcast out there, to reveal the growth marketing strategies and tactics that are working today, empowering growth at amazing companies and organizations. Keep listening as I interview founders, CEOs, and marketing leaders from all around the world, primarily from companies in the tech and software as a service industry. Now, on with the episode. Hey everyone, today my guest is Arjun Pillai. Arjun is the founder and CEO of Incent.ai, and he's also a second-time founder. And Arjun moved to the U.S. from India when he was 27 years old, and that was four years after founding his first company in India, which was bought by a company in Colorado, which then asked him to come uh, to come over to the U.S. So, Arjun, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Thanks a lot for having me, Pat. It's great to have this conversation. And so before we jump into Incent, uh, I want to hear a little bit more about this very interesting journey that you've, that you've been on. So you were born and raised in, in India. Uh, where, where in India are you from? I come from the um, southwest coast of India. The state name is called Kerala. It is not a super well-known state. It's a very touristic beautiful gods on, they call it gods on country um okay it's a pretty nice state and yeah that's where i come from great so you founded your first company at the age of 24 am i right 23 oh 23 okay what 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 was that company yeah so um that company actually that company had multiple products you know because the first few products did not work out obviously um we Along with three of my college mates, I started the company when I was 23 and something. Um, and we built out a few products. None of them took off. It was all in B2B and SaaS kind of spaces, um, but none of them took off. The product that actually took off was a customer intelligence solution. So it, it would help a marketing person or a salesperson to know more about their existing customers or prospective uh, customers based on limited starting data. So just an email or just an email and a company, first name, last name, and a company, we would help to do lead enrichment, prospecting, um, you know, social media engagement, audience segmentation, all of that. Got it. By the way, was that company called Profoundus? Yes. Okay. And then later, uh, Full Contact um, acquired you guys, right? Yeah, cool. And then, so you must have stayed on with full contact for a little while, and then, and then you were, uh, then you were free, I suppose, yeah. right? Yes. Uh, you know, people call it prison time. It wasn't that bad for me, but uh, <laughs> prison yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's what the founders call it, right? Like the the westing. Some call it sit and west time. Some call it prison time. Uh, for for a small percentage of the people, it turns out to be really good. In my experience, seventy five percent of the people go through that. Um, sit and rest time, which is like, yeah, okay, it is an okay time. And then there is 20, 25% people who are like, it was amazing. I learned a lot. I stayed with the company for another two, three years and whatnot. And for you, it was a good experience, the sit and sit and rest yeah. time. It was a good experience for sure. I, um, But I was uh, itching to get back. Um, I, After struggling for a long time with this thought, I am not an employable person. I have battled that thought for a long time saying that, no, no, that is not true. I am employable, but at some point in time, you just give up. And uh, sometime in 2017, 2018 timeframe, I gave up and I recognized that I'm not a, an employable person as such in a company because, you know, you have all these ideas and you have done a couple of companies and uh, you need that influence when things don't really work the way and people take different decisions, you tend to get frustrated about it. Uh, I'm not proud of it. I'm not, you know, uh, it's just a trait in me, right? So yeah. then being at a company for a long time, unless uh, I would rather run other smaller things or or if I'm running at a different company as an employee, I need to have a clear purview, a clear field where I can go and execute and make my mistakes. Mm-hmm. Understood. I think it's not uncommon for founders like you to uh, later be acquired and become part of a larger organization to feel the, maybe the loss of authority and control that you had when it was your show. Yeah. And and the, the ability to move fast, I think that's part of it too. Yes. 
I, I've experienced a little bit of that in my career where um, moving from my own agency into Google, I felt like as innovative and cool as that was, I was moving at a fraction of the speed. I mean, the speed right. of decision-making and just generally the, the pace of things because of the bureaucracy. Exactly. That's what, that's what frustrated me. So I guess that in the in those later months, you probably were already starting to formulate the idea for Incent. Uh, no, or so did I, that come around? No, I came out of full contact with a more open mind. Um, you know, startups startups uh, has always been about uh, learning for me, right? I want to learn new things. So when I came out of full contact, I just randomly started consulting. I've never done consulting in my life before, so I just wanted to consult. So I just went out and consulted for a lot of these data companies, marketing companies. Um, and uh, I did that for about eight, nine months and was making enough money, a good job, to work four or five hours a day and make enough and more for more to live. Um, but, you know, you have this once this entrepreneur bug. Um, founders are uh, broken inside at some level. I'm sure you understand. You know, we want to like go out there and try doing something again with a probability of 5% to win, but you still want to try. Um, so I just, uh, yeah, end of 2018, um, I, I kind of got an idea, got my co-founder and then, yeah, started the company. Yeah. I, I think it has to do with the tolerance of risk and also that desire to to create something new. Yeah. Yes. Something. Definitely about uh, creating something new for sure. On the risk element though, Paris, uh, over the years, right, like, I come from a very middle class Indian family, you know, like trying to stitch food together uh, when I was born. That's where my parents were. And obviously we scaled a little bit to the more of a mid mid, mid class during during my lifetime as a child. And um, I, I also had this risk and all of that when growing up. But later on, what I realized is this risk is not there, actually. Right? Like, what is the risk? Today, imagine, you know, I, I go to bed and I wake up, the company doesn't exist, right? Something happened, somebody attacked us, DDoS does, whatever happened, the company doesn't exist. What is the risk here? You know, I can always get back into the market. I'm sure that I'll get five job opportunities, right? Because as a founder, the kind of skills that I am gaining is very unique, mm-hmm. right? So people talk about how you take risk and all of that, but I, I don't really think that there is any matter of risk. In my opinion, if somebody has spent two years of their time really trying to solve a problem, that person has acquired so much knowledge in that 24 months, I would hire that person in a, in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. right? So I, yeah, That's so definitely creating a, something new, risk tolerance, I don't even think about that. I don't think there is any yeah, risk. Yeah. yeah, I guess the, there's a difference between the, the business risk, because um, I think any new startup business, um, there, there are quite a lot of risks that would would prevent you from succeeding. But then what you're describing is a career risk. And I totally agree that the career risk is almost nil. Yeah. In fact, I would even say it's, you could you could even flip that and say it's even a safer bet because the, the skills and experience that you acquire by trying to start up a company and build it from scratch generally are, are a richer set of experiences than you would have uh, at a typical job. And the right type of employer would recognize that. And as you said, if the business failed, you, you might have people lining up to make you offers uh, on any number of things. So in fact, there's there's really no career risk, um, but there there is a risk of, of a failure of the business. But then of course you can always just move on to the next thing. And, exactly. uh, and I think the great part, especially what I'm seeing today is that there's so much money ready to invest in the venture capital world that I think um, that if you have a good idea that uh, the financing is there too. So um, I, I did see that you all raised about $2 million about one month ago. Is that is that right? Yeah, we raised last year, uh, a second half of last year, but we announced it a month or so back. Okay, right. Well, before we get into the raise, let's just talk about how, how Incent came about because my first question is that you you jumped into the what I consider to be uber competitive crowded space of chatbots sure. at a, and you weren't one of the first, but you jumped, you started around 2018 in Scent, correct? Yeah. So uh, what I mean, was the inspiration uh, behind that? And you must've seen a niche or you must've seen a particular way of approaching the chatbot solution that was different. So can you tell me about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. 
Um, so I, I come from a MarTech, sales tech, data. Those are the spaces that I know a little bit about, right? And if you look at all these spaces, um, these are crowded spaces from, from the outside, especially. Um, I have a slightly different way of thinking about crowded spaces. I think that crowded spaces are actually good. Um, you know, like this, the so-called red ocean and blue ocean kind of uh, uh, things that people talk about. I think that a crowded space, if you segment in the right way, the red ocean will always have a blue ocean in, in pretty much everything that, that, that is out there. And in most cases, when people talk about this highly competitive uh, landscape, what I have learned from my experience is if you build out a good thing and then do the right segmentation, there is always a space for you, right? Mm -hmm. Again, if you are asking about can this be a 500 million, like all of that, then it needs a lot more. But to get to 50, 100 million, I think it's possible, right? So anyways, um, on, on specifically on, on what, we were, what, what I did. So if you look at the whole chatbot space, you will see that there are a ton of chatbots. But if you start doing some little bit of segmenting, as I was mentioning, the first segment that you would do is B2C versus B2B. What percentage of the chatbots are B2C? What percentage is B2B? A huge chunk of the chatbots that you know of will go into B2C. 75 to 80%, I would say, right? Then there's a 20 to 25% which are in B2B. I am squarely only in B2B. I don't serve any B2C companies, neither do I think about serving them anytime soon, right? For the next five years, I'm not going to do it. So in B2B, now you do another segmentation. How many go into the support angle? How many go into the marketing and sales angle? A lot of the B2B chatbots that you know of will go into the support angle, right? And then comes the marketing and sales. In the marketing and sales, then you do the segmentation based on um, the size of the companies, right? Are you serving the startups? Are you serving the SMBs? Serving the mid-market? Serving the enterprises, right? And in B2B marketing, it's always like there are if you look at the marketing automation landscape, there is MailChimp at the bottom, HubSpot, Pardot, Marketo, and then there is Eloqua. And then there is Clavio, Keep, and another 10 companies doing $100 million in revenue, right? So there is always this segmentation. And the same segmentation exists in everything you do. There is Gainsight, Totango, Churn Zero, you know, in the customer success. So there's that segmentation. So you now, long story short, the idea is if you focus on B2B, mid-market and enterprise with a good conversational solution, that space is very far from crowded. To be exact, there are two or three players in that space. When I go against people, I don't really see a lot of... Uh, so let me, let me just make sure I've got that. B2B mid-market for marketing and sales chatbot, that's where you play and that's where you think you're the best. Yes. And there's only, there's only a few yes. uh, competitors right there in that yes. space. And I have to I have to ask you now because I have done a little bit of research into some of your ad landing pages. You appear to be going really hard after drift. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, is, it is not that we are going really hard against drift. Um, they have done a really good job in in pushing this whole conversational paradigm in. Right. And I have huge respect to them for doing that. In some way, you know, they, they kicked off this whole marketing and sales chat in sales and marketing. So, uh, and they have spent a lot of money evangelizing this thought. So when we go and talk to customers, a lot of them already understand Drift. So for them to understand Incent, the easiest way is to kind of differentiate and talk about how, who we are and who they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, so. Let's get into the marketing side of things a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm browsing through the website right now. I, th I think it's really clean. Um, you basically have three different types of uh, pages here. There's, there are product pa there's a product section with, with a lot of information about features and solutions and integrations. Mm -hmm. Then you have use cases. By the way, I really like that you elevated use cases to your level one of your site navigation because I'm a huge proponent of giving users a, a mirror in which they can see themselves very easily. So you want to have your personas be able to self-identify with their with themselves, their problems. And I can see we've got here use cases around demand gen, ABM, marketing, sales acceleration, and customer success. And, and then you've got the blog, which is uh, on a separate subdomain. And, and that's taking us to all of your all of your editorial content. 
and I want to, yeah, I want to dive into this a little bit more too. So uh, I'm just curious when you were thinking about how to structure the website, what kind of considerations did you have around, around site structure? Because I think you made some good decisions here. Yeah. How did you, how did you come to that? Yeah, um, a lot of the credit goes to my team. You know, um, I'm I'm in the spotlight here, but as you know, a lot of the decisions are being taken taken care of my by my marketing team. Um, mm-hmm. So the way we think, there is an overarching structure, Paris. To be honest, right? I don't know how much you have been following this uh, concept called uh, buyer enablement. Uh, there is a page called uh, page about buyer enablement on Gardner, which you probably might have read. I am mm-hmm. a big. Uh, uh, proponent. I'm a big believer of that philosophy. I'm not saying that it's going to be a category. I'm not trying to create a category. Maybe I will, but who knows, right? So that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is putting yourself in your buyer's shoes and then flipping your thought process from a spammy marketing to an enabling marketing is something that I strongly, strongly believe in. So if you look, uh, if you go to our website and start interacting with our chatbot, depending on where you come from, how many times you come from, the chatbot will behave very differently, right? And if you are there for the first time, that chatbot does not even uh, ask you for email for a long time. It does not try to book you a meeting for a long time. It will give you a lot of content for you to read. It will allow you to compare us against other people. So do a lot of the things, right? So that is the overarching thought. How do we enable a buyer who is landing on this website? How do we make the friction as less as possible? Just one form form is just one email, right? Mm-hmm. Read all, there is very little gated content there. Only the competitor content is gated. Everything else is ungated. The conversations that you are seeing on the chat will vary different uh, based on who you are. Are you an ABM targeted account? Did our reverse IP recognize you? Are you coming for the second time? Which page you are browsing? Based on that, we have about 22 different conversations uh, on our website. Differentiated mm-hmm. ones, um, yeah. Does that give you a sense of that? That's where we come from, and everything that we do is around that. Yeah. So I've got to ask the question now, since you're you're eating your own dog food, as they say, and I would certainly expect to see your own chatbot popping up all over the website. And I started clicking around. I see what you mean. It's it's very much helpful. Um, I, I haven't been asked for email. I haven't been pushed into a demo. Ultimately, though, I'd like to know. How many of your demo? How many of your demo conversions are coming from your chatbot versus the classic form? Or yeah. Um, so just to be clear, we don't think it's a either-or strategy. We are not a company that believes in no forms. Um, uh, we actually think that forms will will be there and will continue to be there. Um, I'll tell the number. So on our website, we typically receive about forty percent through our chat and about 60% through the form. However, if you submit your form on our chat, uh, on our website today and click on get demo, the chat will immediately pop up. So our form is also integrated to the chat. Once you submit the form, the chat will pop up and it will say, hey, don't wait. Here is the account executive's calendar. Just pick a time. Mm -hmm. So we are actually enabling the buyers from the form to pick a demo in real time. Right. Yeah. So uh, about 60% of our form fills will convert into a meeting in the next couple of minutes because of the form based acceleration that we have enabled through uh-huh. Insight. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yeah, it's a it's a combination strategy. Overarchingly across our customer base, this is what I see. I think today chat is adding 10 to 20% of leads to your funnel. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I see that growing to 30%. But I still think that 70% of your leads will continue to come from elsewhere. It could be your uh, gated content. It could be your form, whatever. But you can expect 15 to 30% come through chat as a channel. Again, I'm, I want to call out that it's not a chat bot. It's a chat as a channel, which is a combination of content you give. It's a combination of chat bot, which is a combination of live agents, all of that. Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Um... There is a certain level of fatigue, user fatigue, when it comes to chatbots. And is that a symptom of a lot of people getting it wrong and just trying to make chatbots that are too pushy and aggressive? Yes. Yes and yes. You're right. Okay. 
you are in the space that's why you um in fact part of the reason i, I probably shut down a, a dozen to 20 chatbots a day i think on average when i say shut down i mean just because i've developed a certain blindness to it i guess now i'm not a typical user but i'd like to hear your your opinion on it too i mean sure. how effective are they sure, still sure. when done correctly yeah no you're right the so historically what has happened is thinking about chat as a channel instead of thinking about chat as a channel people started leveraging chat as a uh, as a demand gen bot or a glorified mm-hmm. form right mm-hmm. this is where i fundamentally uh, disagree with the ideology of our competitor company right mm-hmm. so we believe that uh, that is the wrong way to do it and there is a favorite quote that i keep quoting right that even you go and engage on some chat there is a question that says may i have your email in case we get disconnected now mm-hmm. tell me how can we ever get disconnected like yeah. you know even after 110 uh, days unless i choose to leave yeah right even after you come back it'll still be there it's a cookied conversation right right you are essentially hoodwinking your you are uh, hoodwinking your customers to give them uh, give you their email is that the way you want to do business right like so i totally am against using chat as a demand gen only bot demand gen is a, is a thing you can do you should do it in fact instant name actually comes from intent of the buyer and consent of the buyer that's how the name comes from so uh, i think there is a fatigue and the reason of that fatigue is by considering chat as a glorified form and not as an actual channel once you can start considering chat as a channel to of course you can take emails you can book meetings but also engage with the person give them personalized content help them to um, learn more about who you are once you do all of these things together on chat as a channel people will not get fatigued with it mm-hmm. no i really like how you came up with the name then so it's intent plus consent yeah. that's how you okay that, that's that's excellent um so I'd like to ask a little bit now just about overall your your overall marketing mix because I've I've taken a look it looks like you've gotten some traction with SEO I, I think you've got a, a little bit of growth happening there although it's still it's still a relatively small level I can see some paid ads um but it looks like that's also happening at a relatively early stage yes. what's what are you doing to acquire uh, new customers and what's working yeah um so a lot of our customers today are coming t- uh, typically uh, through the our outbound campaigns the cold email campaigns that we are doing and then um referral is a pretty strong traffic uh, i mean not on the website referral is a big traffic in terms of our customers so um outbound you know the usual thing right we use a pretty sophisticated stack between our hubspot crm outreach uh, zoom info lead iq and what not right it's a it's a mm-hmm. triple touch campaign that we do um and uh, we we reach out to people see if there is interest that the usual cold outbound campaigns mm-hmm. then on the referral what is happening is there are we have some really good customers and there are all these round tables happening across us right there is matt hines round table there is bessemer venture partner round tables hubspot alumni round tables during this alumni chat is coming up very very often i am told and um one of our customers will be there luckily for us and somebody will ask a question about chat and they'll say oh we are using incent and incent is a really good platform you should check it out and we get a very trusted lead and that converts into a customer in less than 30 days um so yeah that that has been the two very strong uh, elements to your point our marketing is starting to kick in our ads are starting to kick in our inbound is starting to kick in our co-marketing is starting to kick in now we are getting some inbound but it is uh in the early stages mm-hmm. and and since the since the raise uh, approximately how much is earmarked for marketing versus product uh, product development or other other categories yeah um so our product development is based in india uh you know like so it's it the, the comparison the numbers might not add up because there is a cost advantage of being in india right so i i don't exactly know the percentage let's see um, let me try to and product is so today we have pivoted the uh, company around product and 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 sales today and we are changing that to marketing so product is a very key uh, investment from the company 
I would say that about 40% is going on, on product today, okay. expense, right? And the marketing expense compared to that is actually pretty less. It's probably 12 to 15%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask about um, now just pricing pricing strategy. I can see that there is a pricing page. There's a link down in the footer to the to the pricing page. Yeah. And uh, when I come here, I can see two plans with a, a growth and mid market. But the, I'm actually not seeing the price. prices here. It says it says request pricing, which I I guess that's going into the demo call. Um, and I presume that's entirely intentional, uh, most likely because you want to get people on the sales call and qualify them. Can you talk to me about that pricing strategy and the decision not to have a self-serve uh, option with transparent pricing? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it is an it is in the experimentation phase. As you see, that pricing is only in the in the footer, which means you know we are still working on the website and getting it up to the uh, the header, which will happen pretty soon. Um, we recently did the pricing page, like two weeks back is when we rolled out the pricing page. And this is the first level of experiment. We will try out the other way where we put out the pricing there too, uh, at some point in time to see what is working. In terms of uh, why are we doing the way we are doing um, is because we are typically selling to the bit market companies or enterprises, right? So we are aligning, we are trying to align ourselves to their buying motion as much as possible. Right, and their buying motion is in in most of the cases, uh, you know, come and get a demo, and then talk about the details, and then get into the pricing and those kinds of things. So we are trying to align ourselves to that motion. Why gotcha. is there no self serve model? Um, a few reasons. First of all, again, we are selling to the mid market companies. Um, we want to. It's a we do a pretty customer success heavy implementation because we believe that chat is still at the front end of adoption. If I simply give the chat platform to a marketer, then they might just configure the bot, which is not what I want them to do. So we do a high-touch customer success heavy conversational strategy plus implementation kind of a help in the first 60 days of our customer journey. Um, and and to do that, uh, we we have to get, you know, that self-serve will not add up very well with customer success that way, right? Um, and yeah, so having said that, we are continuously the product-led growth and product-led movement is something that we are very, very mindful about. We want to be on that bandwagon. I think our product is very intuitive for people to figure it out. Um, we are actively thinking about it, but given the resource constraints, we haven't moved or taken action to be a PLG company yet. Gotcha. Yeah. Um just I I decided to also just check out Drift and I can't I can't find prices there either. Um, we had pricing there until recently. Um, I think uh, earlier this earlier uh, until mid of last year or something like that. And then they move they removed the pricing because as part of uh, going upstream, um, which is which is what they are trying to do too. Um, yeah, if you go to Internet Archives, I'm sure that you can find their pricing. Uh, yeah, yeah. By the way, I really love this this piece of content that you have called the conversion rate calculator. This is this is really cool. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. an app calculator thing. It's also a recent addition to the website. It's one of the usual questions that people ask. Hey, what are, yeah. what are we talking about here? I've got to believe that that it all comes down to ROI for your sales guys at the end of the day, which is that there's a there's an there's a cost to this, and there's also a cost of putting resources to this and thinking through different conversational trees and conversational paths. And in the end, you've got to convince me that X percent, you said plus 10, plus 15%, or maybe up to plus 30% yeah. conversion rate lift. And usually that is probably going to mean that this thing is going to have a, a massive ROI if, uh, if they believe that they can achieve that. Is that a typical conversation that your sales teams are walking people through and trying to understand what, what is your current conversion rate? What's the value of that conversion? And what would it look like if it was 15, 20% more? Um, yes, uh, it, is a, it is a typical conversion. It depends on where the customers are coming from. We have Gen 1 customers and Gen 2 customers. Gen 1 meaning chat, they are introducing chat for the first time. And Gen 2 meaning they are flipping from a competitor like a Drift or somebody else. 
Um, and we have a healthy mix of these two actually in our customer base and in our pipeline conversations. Um, so depending on where they are coming from, the, the questions are different. Gen 1 will have more questions about how will chat impact me as a channel? What would that ROI look like? Gen 2 folks have some level of data already because they have been running on something. They will ask, hey, how much should I think about that lift that I'm going to get with Incent? And why do you think that drift is, a lift is going to happen and all of that? So yes, we will have those conversations. And in some cases, our champions will come to us and ask, hey, do you mind putting together an ROI thing for me to present to my buying committee? And that's something we do too, right? We put together like two or three slides very quickly for them saying that, hey, we, and we ask uh, five questions to them based on the same thing, the ROI calculator that you're seeing on our website. Similar to that, maybe a little bit more detail, we ask those questions, we get the answers. Based on that, we will run some numbers and we will send it back to them and say, hey, based on what you told us, here is where you, we think you will end up. Uh, in most of the cases, we are not trying to be super bullish about it. We try to be in the average level. And so far, customers are getting the kind of value that we are predicting for them. Um, and we don't, yeah, we all, we don't try to always predict it. We predict it only if they ask us to. Mm -hmm. uh, that's interesting. Do the do the type uh, the type B uh, the the type two buyers who are more sophisticated who are switching? Do they also want to know if they can take their conversations from the other platform and carry them across? Yeah, easily. I, I assume that's got to be a concern. Yes. Yes. So um, we do that, right? As I said, the customer success part, again, being an early stage company, we are aggressive on these kinds of things, right? So if they are leveraging an existing chat solution, then we do the full migration on our side. The thing about Incent is it is, it is very easy for uh, somebody to build out these conversations. Our system is the UI UX is beautiful. Uh, I'm not saying it because it's my product. I am biased, obviously, but uh, we have also heard it from a customer said testimonial came out yesterday. Um, so today, if I take a net new mid-market company, right, and I say that, you know what, I want to craft this whole experience for them, super personalized, I want to create eight different experiences for them. If I sit down, in 60 minutes, I can craft the whole thing. Eight conversations, complete, right, test it out, all of that. So it's that easy on Incent. So migration doesn't take a lot of time for our team. It'll typically be like an hour work. Mm -hmm. Got it. One thing I'm looking for on the website now, which I'm either I'm not finding easily or it might not be there, but um, case studies, industry case studies, yeah. like uh, I don't know, what did you do for e-commerce? What did you do for a, a B2B, a B2B lead gen marketer? Yeah. Am I am I just missing it, or um, yeah, I feel like there might be an opportunity there. There is an opportunity there for sure. It is there, but it is part of the chat. If you keep going through the chat platforms, then it'll offer you case studies and you will be able to get some case studies from there. Uh, but um, there is a fair amount of low-hanging fruits that we have left, which is on two things that we are actively working on is case study and uh, review platforms. Oh, yeah, such as G2 and, and uh, Captera. There are yes. We have yes. some some ones going there. We recently added, I think, in this week we added three more reviews onto G2, but it's still early, right? We are just in the early double digits right now. So uh, we want to obviously uh, extend that quite a bit. So our uh, marketing team has just actively started working on both the case studies and G2. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are these are major channels that I think have to be up there when you talk about outbound. Referral inbound, the review sites is, is its own category. These are hugely important. And I've done quite a bit of, or our team has done quite a bit of research, SEO research around how often these pages are ranking. And they are extremely competitive in organic search results. So that's just, yeah, um, they, they, you really can't ignore those as a, as a channel. Exactly. Um, yeah. And Let's see here. Um, yeah, I think the the UI is the the UI is certainly beautiful. So, what are your what are your bigger picture goals for Incent? If you're just a couple of years into this, you've raised a little bit of money. You're chasing a massive competitor, which is Drift. Um, what are you What are your really most ambitious goals? When if you dream about what this could be in a few years, what does it look like? 
Yeah, yeah. Just to be clear, right? I so for us to win, we don't have to kill Drift, right? Drift didn't kill Intercom when they won. So 2010, Intercom started. Intercom is still a pretty sizable company, like hundred million dollars in revenue, right? Drift is still below that, uh, I I believe. Um, but I I think that Drift has been able to grow pretty fast without killing Intercom, right? Intercom crafted their own space, and then Drift crafted their own space. They overlap in some cases, but not much. So, uh, yeah, that's the point. I, I don't believe we will compete with Drift, right? They are a formidable competitor. I like them. They have um, the, the marketing superpower. If you take the top few companies in the world, Drift is definitely one of them. So um, respect to where it is due, and then I will compete with them. But in terms of um, where I am looking to take the company, I think as we evolve more and more, I think we will divulge from drift a little bit more i don't want to talk more a, a lot about it we have the way we think about building a company is about solving what are those super difficult overarching problems that we can solve right that's how um, we think about uh, companies and every year i will take like two or three super difficult problems to solve right as a, as a company and as a product um, and we have two problems that we have taken for this year in 2021 and by q3 of this year we will be adding those abilities to incent uh, which will which will drive us pretty pretty uh, more and more away from drift i think we'll still compete but we'll, we'll do more and more out from drift um yeah and where this is going um paris it's a we are still at the super front end of this whole adoption right like uh, in 20 years, the forms have been there and the forms will continue to exist for another 20 years. But chat will be a table stakes for every single company, right? Like we are talking B2B, so let's say B2B. For every single B2B company, chat will be a table stakes. So if you take it that angle, right? If I put some numbers, um, in US, I think about um, the number of companies about 250 employees is about 55,000 to 60,000 in the B2B domain. Right, just in US, and then there is um, additional seventy-five thousand across the world, about two hundred and fifty employees. For for somebody to use Incent, you don't even need to be about two hundred and fifty. If you are about hundred, around that hundred mark, you are good, right? So the number of companies that we have to target, and Drift has to target, and Intercom has to target, it's just mind blowing, right? If you are talking about like a um, fifty thousand dollar ACV, and you have two thousand customers, you are at a hundred million dollars in revenue. Right. You don't have to pay anybody to get there. You can compete healthy and then you can get there. Yeah. Uh, so North Star of the company is to get to $100 million in revenue. And along with that, solve some really amazing problems for B2B marketers so that uh, we help. We want to help the B2B marketers to adapt to the real-time paradigm. Mm-hmm. We believe that Marketo and HubSpots of the world are more meant for batch you know, like emails, non-real-time kind of engagement. The system is not was not built for real-time, will not act in real-time, is not meant for real-time. Uh, we believe that B2B marketers will want to be a lot more real-time, not only in chat, but also in other things. So we want to, uh, that is the quest. If we enable B2B marketers to act in real-time, then we'll be a big yeah. Now you just, I think you slightly blew my mind with some of these numbers. The total addressable market here is well over 100,000 companies Easy. around the world that have 100, 150 plus employees. Is that that's roughly how you describe it, right? Oh, yeah. Or you said 250, but you can go as you can go a little lower. How much of that total addressable audience is penetrated by the entire industry, and how much is how much is still out there oh. to be? A huge chunk is not penetrated yet. You know, like yeah. outside outside uh, US, the penetration is even lesser, I'd say. Very, very less, actually. Yeah. So what I have understood is US penetration, especially in SMB, is pretty good. Pretty good in the sense that it's probably uh, 50%. 50%. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. SMBs that are below 100 employees. Yeah, let's say 150, less than 200, let's just say. You know, okay. All of these numbers, I'm making it up, right? I don't have... This is based on what I have seen in the market. So this is just a conversation between you and me. Don't quote me on this. <laughs> I'm sure everybody will. Uh, I won't quote you, but we are recording it. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> well, this is just for directionally accurate data, right? That's what we are talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but if you go upstream like to mid market and enterprise the penetration goes way less than that if you go to top few enterprises and see what percentage of those guys are using chat for marketing it's very very limited um there are small pieces of these enterprises using it but not really across the company and all uh, outside us the penetration is much more much much lesser so um in terms of the total addressable market it is it is pretty uh, high uh, and and yeah there are like i said right the b2b marketing uh, automation the simple automation paradigm has about 10 or more players running more than 100 million dollars in revenue right here also there is an opportunity for multiple companies to drive a lot of revenue yeah i'm curious as to how many companies are using some form of an auto marketing automation platform but not using any type of a chat uh, chat solution that is also pretty high in my experience once the company crosses like 70 80 100 or something like that they are getting to a point where they are using some form of an automation and in most cases it will be hubspot when they cross 250 employees or so they upgrade to a pardot or a marketo and then when they are in the real enterprise zone they go into eloqua right that's that's what i have seen so uh, all the all the tam that we were mentioning about the 100 plus a lot of those folks are on a marketing automation if you put about 250 they are definitely using a marketing automation have you thought about a have you thought about a positioning or a communications approach to go after those companies that are well let's say lar- large smbs so between maybe 100 to 300 employees mm-hmm. who you have some pretty high confidence that they're on a hubspot possibly marketo but they're on marketing automation and they're not using any form of chat and to tell them that this is the this is your logical next step um yes yeah we do that uh, paris obviously we do technographic based targeting right like when we yeah. go outbound we go to builtwits of the world built with yeah yeah builtwits and mix ranks of the world we figure out which company is using what and then we target them based on that so yes we do that and that's part of how we get people uh into the pipeline um uh, we do that i think there is a little bit more we have to do in terms of further segmenting them right like for example imagine a company using marketo and they are using a six sense or a terminus today right and we get that data from built with as well now the point is they are using marketo they are not using a chat but they are using a six sense or a terminus which means they have an abm motion as well happening right they have invested on these tools now you can craft a message saying that hey there is a our platform incent is an abm um, platform it's an abm chat as well so you can say that hey all these amazing leads you are driving through a terminus ad is coming to your website we will help you to convert them we will close the loop right in some way so we, we can go further which we are doing limited today that's where we are in the next this quarter we are trying to focus on further honing in on some of these messaging elements mm-hmm. excellent Wow, there's so many uh, great opportunities ahead of you, Arjun. This is this is exciting. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, is there anything that I haven't asked you that that you feel would be valuable for our audience to know? Ah, uh, no, this was actually a pretty good chat. People like usually we only talk about these higher level stuff, right? Like you know, gyan kind of thing where we talk about how you know. So this was much more tactical. You actually went to the website and asked me a bunch of questions. So I really. liked the interaction i should say that first is there anything that we haven't touched upon um i cannot think of anything paris i think this was a pretty good conversation uh, the 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 only other thing that probably comes to mind is like uh, we haven't talked anything about um visitor intelligence based marketing right like when somebody is on the website part of how you can give a good experience to the person is by identification right the way i think about a buyer enablement stack is like there is an identification layer then there is where exactly they are in the buyer journey like realizing that understanding that as the second layer and then there is a content and conversation layer on top right a three layer stack not saying go buy new tools to fill this stack i'm just saying that this is the conceptual st- uh, stack right so the the first one includes the identification layer includes cookie level identification using your marketing automation and a reverse ip resolution 
And then the understanding buyer journey includes integration into your marketing automation, into your CRM, into your existing campaigns, and then figuring that out. And then the content and conversation is about crafting personalized experience based on the other two, right? So this is something that I've been evangelizing a little bit. Uh, when I present it in such a simple way to our customers, they typically, they are like, okay, we get it, you know? And some percentage of the customers are obviously using a reverse IP resolution and, and those kinds of things. Um, Incent, at Incent, we actually do the whole thing, right? We don't do the content part. We partner with companies like a Path Factory, for example, to do the content experiences. But um, Cookie and 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 the, that thing we do at Incent, understanding the buyer journey we do at Incent and conversation we do at Incent. So this is, um, yeah, just... Uh, I, I wish or I hope that this is helpful for your audience, basically. That, that is very interesting. Um, yeah, okay, there's, there's, uh, putting, putting that conversation in the right context is key. And I suppose um, not, not only, yeah, IP lookup can probably tell you the name of the company. You can have uh, data coming from marketing automation and CRM that tells you their, their latest interaction and maybe predicts where they dropped off and where they should be brought back in, let's say, whether it's a piece of content or... A certain uh, a certain flow. Um, yeah, this is this is definitely the future. I, I interviewed a, a few days ago the CEO of Intellimize, which is a machine learning driven CRO platform. So mm-hmm. they're really taking the whole concept of of A/B testing to let's say to to not not just the future, but to, to today because it's so much is driven by machine learning today. Mm-hmm. And they're saying why just do a simple A/B test when you can actually just feed all, all these signals to machine a machine learning model and have them predict what is the best headline in this moment, what is the best headline to show to this individual user or what's the best image to show. And um, and that chat experience is all it's also it's part of that. Um, it has to it has to all be complimentary. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. Fascinating fact, stuff. Yeah. In fact, we also have an automated A-B testing on our chat, right? Because who knows what chat conversations would work with who. So we have an automated multivariant testing built into the system. You can give like four variants and the system would automatically figure out which is working based on a statistically viable sample. Um, yeah, no, the, the, the idea that you just meant, uh, I, what was the company name again? Intellimize. So think about the, just just like you're putting together the words of, of uh, intent plus consent, yeah. they're putting together um Intelligent optimize. So think intelligence and optimize is intellimize. Uh, I think it's that AI. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. No, um, did you, did you find it? Yeah, you should check this out. I, I think it's uh, this is an, another future superstar uh, SaaS company in the in the works. Yeah, I, I um, like when you said another superstar. I, I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, clearly you're on your way. I mean, no doubt about that. Um, so check check them out. And uh, the the episode with with Chris, he's their he's their VP of marketing, is probably coming out in a few days. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got one more question for you, Arjun. And uh, anybody who's going to check you out on LinkedIn is probably going to be um, one thing that jumped out at me is that you're probably a few days away from breaking twenty thousand followers on LinkedIn. So how the hell did you do that? <laughs> I, I I am not one of those planned uh, social network builder, right? I have no idea. I didn't. I didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah, it it just happened. So uh, when I was growing up, I was part of IEEE, which is a world's largest engineers organization. So I used to be a super active volunteer, being part of their lot of global boards and stuffs. So I used to do a lot of sessions, speak speaking opportunities, and those kinds of things. And that helped me to build out an early base of engineers and smart people in my network. And then from then, my first company uh, that scaled and my first company became the first ever product exit in the history of my state in India ever. Wow. Right. Right. And that also shows, you know, the maturity is not that high, right? It's like if you take a Bay Area or a Seattle, it happens all the time. But um, my state is still in the early stages of product related growth. So that obviously would push a lot of people, right? Like, and it made a big news in the state and I, we were covered in 23 media outlets and whatnot. So that pushed a lot of people to my network. And then at Incent, you know, it is happening. People are following. Um, I try to write things which are helpful for them and, and not annoy them. Um, and yeah, people tend to uh, send requests and I, I tend to accept them. 
Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Do you ever imagine that you'll go back to your to your home state in India and and do some mentoring and and try to inspire uh, a generation of entrepreneurs uh, with your story? Uh, I mean, I'm very well connected to my my state. Uh, I go at least twice a year. I know that you you also do this cross border interaction to your hometown in Bulgaria. So um, I yeah, I am a big believer. I think uh, uh, I do invest in companies coming from my state, also elsewhere in India. Um, I I try to spend at least 30 to 45 minutes every weekend with at least one company from from the state whoever reaches to me not only the state state but anywhere uh, if somebody reaches out i always find 45 minutes a weekend to speak to a new company um and yeah it, it, it's an active effort from my side to see how best i can help the ecosystem back in my home state yeah that's that's great i'm sure that's very rewarding it is and, uh, excellent well, Arjun, I think we're uh, pushing almost 50 minutes here, and, and probably I, it's time to let you go and get back to get back to, to business. So, I really do appreciate the time you spent, and um, I hope our, our paths will cross again. I think you've given our listeners some some amazing insights. And Incent is I can't wait to see what happens next with Incent. I'll be watching closely. Sure. Yeah, no, it was great. I really enjoyed the conversation, Paris. Thanks for all those amazing prompting questions or non-prompting questions that helped me to uh, sure. open up as much as I did. I'm, I'm trying to get better at this pod podcast interviewing thing. It's uh, I really I really enjoy it. And uh, it was very easy to have th this conversation with you. I think it flowed very, very naturally. So thanks. Thanks Absolutely. a lot. Doing great. And uh, have, a great, have a great day out there in Seattle. You too. Thanks, Paris. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about SaaS growth marketing, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P, dot online. Have a great day.